Well, we're glad you're joining us today as we continue our study of First John. We welcome all that are here and all that are listening on KFUO as we continue our Bible study. And we're going to pick up today at First John chapter 4, verse 4. First John chapter 4, verse 4. All right, little children, you are from God, and it overcome and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Last week we talked about the fact that John had said, test the spirits. Test what you're hearing. Uh, because there are many false prophets and false teachers. And uh, he warns them to do that. But then, now he says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. The them refers to the false teachers and the false prophets. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. In other words, God is greater than all these false prophets, all these false teachers, even Satan himself. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Again, referring to the false teachers, the false prophets. They are from the world. They're speaking from a worldly perspective. They're not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so their words, their philosophies, what they teach are totally different. And notice what it says. They speak from the world and the world listens to them. That was uh, Pastor Thomas's point today. Um, the world has its view. And it's mostly, basically, totally opposite of the Christian faith. But we're still sinful people. And we are tempted at times because what the world says sounds pretty good. Sometimes a lot of fun. Sometimes we'd like to follow that. What's being said here, however, is they speak from the world because they're from the world. And the world listens to him, to them. And if we're not careful, we can get caught up listening to them. But then he goes on, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. In other words, John is speaking of those, especially the apostles, who are 
presenting the word of God. Okay. They, those that are of God, listen to us. And in summary, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We talked about this last week. You've got to think through what you are hearing all around you every day. If it sounds real good, check it out for sure. It may not be. Okay? Check it out for sure. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. All right? But that's the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now he shifts gears. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, as we talked about last week, he's going to continue to divide believers, unbelievers, two categories. So what he's saying here is, if you love one another, that is because love is from God. You have been born of God and know God. There's a strong emphasis here on John's uh, uh, gospel, being born of God, being born from above, okay, and who knows God. John uses the word knows and believes interchangeably. When he says to know God, he's saying to believe in God. And then he says believe in God, it means to know God. He uses those two words interchangeably. So what he's saying here is you're born of God. You're born from above. We're talking baptism language here. And then you are you know God, you believe in God, okay? So that's on the one side. On the other, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love, okay? God is love. And he says that twice in this chapter. Now, he's talked about before that we don't talk in terms of loving others in just words. It has to be deeds. So he follows up on this. He says God is love. So how do we know that? In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world 
so that we might live through him. Okay. So he makes the statement, God is love. And the question then becomes, how do we know that? He sent his son. Okay. He took action. Now, the thing that's remarkable about this is he didn't have to. He did not have to. We certainly had not deserved. We had not earned that he did this. And this is where we begin to see the special quality of the love of God. He does it even though he doesn't have to. He, we haven't earned it. We haven't deserved it. He just does it. He just does it. That is why God is said, God is love, because in his very nature, his very nature is to love. Very nature is to love. Now, we've talked about that in the in the past when we studied Romans. The nature of God is first and foremost to love. Then why does he judge? He didn't want to do that. We forced him to do that when we sinned. That's what brought about his judgment. We call his love, his very nature, his proper work. We call his judgment his alien work, because he doesn't want to do it. He wants to love. It is his nature to love. And the first rule of preaching, the first thing you learn is love, the gospel, has to predominate. It has, you have to preach more gospel than law. The law is only a means to get your attention that you need a savior. The gospel is God's answer to sin. The gospel must predominate because it is the gospel that will change hearts. The law can change hearts for a short time. I preached for 40 years. If I want to make you feel horrible for a week, I can do it. I don't just have to do it. 
and you'll change your ways for one week, but it's short term. Okay? It's short term. The gospel is what changes hearts long. So the gospel always must predominate. So what it's saying here, the very nature of God is to love, and he doesn't, even when he doesn't have to, he still does. Even when he doesn't have to, he just can't help himself. He's just got to love people up. That's what it's saying. And he showed us that in sending his son so that we might live through him. And it goes on. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a, the propitiation for our sins. All right. Uh, and this is love. Not that we love God because we don't. We don't. He loved us first. He loved us first. He loved us in spite of the fact that we did not love him back. And that's why he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, we talked about the word propitiation when we, in Romans. Propitiation basically means atonement. He atoned for our sins. Um, in the Old Testament tabernacle, the high priest bought the blood of a goat in, sprinkled it on the atonement cover of the Ark of the Covenant to atone for the sins of Israel. That was a foreshadowing that Jesus Christ would bring his own blood not the bull of, uh, uh, blood of bulls and goats, but his own blood, and sprinkle it, sprinkle it before God as atonement for all our sins. And he shed that blood on the cross of Calvary. All of that is behind the word propitiation. He made atonement for us, uh, for our sins. So, Sin was this barrier between God and us, but God did not let it be a barrier. And the thing that he did to prevent it from being a barrier, he loved us. He didn't have to, but he did. He loved us, and it was a giving love, a love of action. He gave his own son who would be the savior from sin, who would die, shed his blood as the atonement for our sins. So in other words, it's a total act of giving on God's part that he didn't have to do. He didn't have to do it. All right, so, verse 11, beloved, uh, beloved, 
And by the way, he calls them beloved many times in chapter 4. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Okay? So he's moving here from the vertical relationship to the horizontal relationship. God has manifested his love toward us by sending his son to be our savior and by putting us in a right relationship with him, all based on his love. How do we manifest our love toward God? By loving our neighbor. Okay? That's the horizontal relation. God has righted things with us and with him. And how do we show love for God? By loving other people. By loving other people. Now, the next verse. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. All right, we need to talk about this verse for a while. No one has ever seen God. And what's being emphasized here is with their physical eyes. We go back to the Old Testament, Moses asked to see God. And God said, you cannot see my face or you would die. I will walk past and cover you in the cleft of a rock, and you can see my back. And of course, from that verse, we get rock of ages cleft for me. So Moses saw God's back. Then we come to the New Testament, and Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father who sent me. So, to see Christ was to see the Father. Then we come to this and says, nobody has ever seen God. So how do we reconcile all this? I want to go back to the emphasis it on. No one has ever seen God with physical eyes. In other words, the glory of God. 
but I want to take it farther than that. So hold on. You can't see that God is love with physical eyes. You see that God is love with spiritual eyes. By faith. By faith. You did not see Jesus Christ walk this earth. His disciples did. Other people did. But just by looking at him, you did not see that God is love. We only put this together when his word tells us in this the love of God was manifest that he sent his only his son as the propitiation for our sin. And the only way that we grasp those words is by faith. No one has ever truly seen that God is love with physical eyes. It is with eyes of faith. And then you see God and all his love. And his love is all his glory. But you only see it with eyes of faith. With eyes of faith. Now, there will come a day where you will see it with physical eyes, but you're not there yet. Okay? But right now, how do we say God is love? Because we believe in him and see it with spiritual eyes, eyes of faith. And the only way you get eyes of faith is that God gives it. So we're back to God. We're back to God's love. None of this happens unless he chooses to love us in the first place. So it's all God's doing. He does it all. And we are able to see that God is love because he gives us the eyes of faith to see that in Jesus Christ, all our sins are forgiven. God loves us. We have eternal life. All is a gift. And therefore, we can say, I faith, God is love. Let me go just a little farther, and then I'll let you ask questions.
the devil, the world, our own sinful nature, and even the very judgment of God works to make you think God is not love. That God is not love. They don't want you to believe that. That's why the gospel has to predominate. We have to hear the gospel over and over and over again. You've got to be told over and over and over again, no matter how many weeks you go to church, God loves you and he sent his son to die for you. And you've got to hear that every week because everything in your life is warring against that. Let's go back to the first of the chapter. False prophets, false teachers, they are called Antichrist. Okay? Antichrist. Everything is working to convince you God is not love. And the thing that keeps calling you back is the gospel message, God is love, and you see it in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is the word that calls you back. That is the word that makes it possible in spite of all these things you hear and in spite of all these things that are around you that convinces you in your heart, God is love with eyes of faith. All right. Questions, comments on all that? Yes. They saw Jesus after his ascension. Well, yeah, he's God, but you don't see that he's love. And they were seeing, uh, well, they were not seeing the full glory of God. No. They were seeing the face of Jesus Christ, who was both true man and true God. But, you know, he didn't glow in the dark, folks. When they saw him on the beach and they were fishing, they did not recognize him. And suddenly, Peter said, it's Jesus. He looked like a normal guy. Okay? No halos. No glow in the dark. He looked like a guy. Okay? So, um, but the word is what tells us who he was and what he did for us. And that is why we hold it in faith. We are people of faith. We are people of faith.
other things. Yes. An unbeliever has, uh, he has no lens. Okay. He has no lens and he cannot filter what he sees or she sees. She cannot or he cannot filter right and wrong. The passage in Isaiah chapter 5 that they will call good evil and evil good. Are we there, folks? Are we there? No filter. No filter. Okay. Can't tell right from wrong. Yes, sir. Yeah. He didn't allow it to happen. We brought it into this world. Sin is our fault. What God says is, when it happens, I'll bring good out of it. I'll bring good out of it. Yes, sir. Uh, back to verse 6. We are from God. Scripture would be it. And those that preach Scripture, you know, uh, it's back to testing the spirits. A lot of preachers out there. You have to test what they say. Okay? You have to test what they say. Is the preacher preaching the pure Word of God? Uh, when you're called as a pastor, the first requirement is, that you will teach and preach the Word of God in all its truth and authority, all its purity, and administer the sacraments according to Christ's institution. Um, but you have to test that. You have to test that. You have all joined this church because you believe in your hearts that when you come here, you hear the Word of God. You have made that choice. When you joined this church, that's what you were saying. I believe as this church believes and teaches. Okay. And so... Uh, that would be the basis of, of us. Now, can you say that about every preacher? No. You can't. And um, there are a lot of preachers out there. And the chief thing that you need to look for is accountability. Okay? Accountability. Who do they account to if... They're not preaching the truth. Okay? In this church, first line is the Board of Elders. Okay? But it goes farther for the church worker to the entire church body, uh, district president, etc. So there's accountability. Uh, some preachers have no accountability. 
They preach what they want on Sunday. And the only accountability is the people sitting in front of them. But what John is saying here is accountability. Um, what, what John is saying is ultimately it's Scripture. It's not the preacher, it's Scripture. Is what be, is being said in accord with Scripture. That's our only source, our only norm for the Christian life. Yeah. Only one. All right. Where are we? 12. We done with 12? Yeah. Mark. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so Peter, James, and John saw Jesus glorified. What would they have thought of it if the voice had not spoken from heaven? Wow, that was neat. That was cool. What made the difference? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We're back to the Word of God. We're back to the Word of God, and the Word of God is what works faith in our hearts. In our hearts. So, you, you know, you don't deny that they saw God when they saw Christ. He says, if you've seen me, you have seen him who sent me. But that doesn't declare that he's loved. What declares he's love is the word of God, and that is what we hold to in faith, and we see that he is love uh, with eyes of faith. Eyes of faith. Just remember this. Jesus looked like just another guy to everybody else. To everybody else. Yeah, Ruth. Yeah. That is correct. Uh, Ruth is making the point that the only way you can test the spirits is if you know the Word of God. So get with it. Okay? It is very important for everybody to know the Word of God. And then there is mutual accountability and mutual rejoicing when the Word of God is preached. So it's very important for the people of God to know the Word of God so that when something you hear doesn't sound right, you can ask about it. You can ask about it. Ask her, what do you mean when you said that? Okay? 
And so that's very important that you know the word. Okay. Thirteen. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. Okay? Here's an added dimension. We started out with the verse that if, that if we love, we're born of God and know God. The whole theology of being born from above, being born again by the Holy Spirit is brought out here. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you know that he abides in you and we in him. He has given us the Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Okay? Notice that in these two verses, you have all three members of the Trinity listed. All three members. Again, emphasizing the Father sent the Son. How do you know that? The Spirit tells you. Okay? The Spirit works in you. The Spirit works in you whenever you read the Word of God. Whenever you read the Word of God, the Spirit seeks to work in your heart to conform it to what God wants. Not what you want, to conform it to what God wants. Notice the next. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. He in God. So when you confess, and this is your confession of faith, then be assured that God abides in you and you in him. Okay? You in him. So that, again, all the emphasis, all the work is God's. We're nothing but blessed by God. He has given us all these blessings. He has given us the faith. He's given us the eyes of faith. He's given his son. His son has given himself as the propitiation. The spirit has been given to us. The language is that over and over and over again. God just continues to bless us, bless us, bless us, bless us with the goal of getting us to heaven. With the goal of getting us to heaven. All right, where are we here? Okay, 16. 
so that we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. How have we come to know and believe it? Because he's told us what's going on. If he had not told us, we would not understand. If he had not given us the Spirit, we would not know. We would not believe. We have come to know this by the work of the Almighty God. He has done it all. He has done it all. We owe everything to him. Absolutely everything. There is nothing we say can say that we did. Nothing. And then, so it says, God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And we only know God is love because he told us so. We would have not figured it out on our own. We have not, we would never see it for what it really is on our own. Remember, no filter. No filter, no spiritual filter. God has to give that to us. God has to give that to us. So, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. What's being said? We're in this world. All these things are fighting against us to convince us God is not love. The tornado, ever, all is working to convince us God is not love. But love is perfected in us that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. In other words, for the day of judgment, the Christian can stand before God and confidently say, God is love. Because he has faith in Jesus Christ. And because that faith grasps the word of God. And even though everything around us may say different, God says he is love. And with confidence, we say, amen. He is. He is. He truly is. That's the only thing that can give us confidence. There is no fear in love of Perfect love casts out fear. If you know the love of God, you don't have to be afraid of God. There's no fear on judgment day. There is only forgiveness. 
perfect love, the perfect love of God in sending his son to be the propitiation for our sins removes all fear on judgment day. We're in. Okay? Heaven is ours. No fear. No fear. And he just keeps on. For fear has to do with punishment. See, you're fearing punishment. If you don't know the love of God, you don't know Jesus Christ died for you, there's fear of punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. There it is. The only reason that we love is because God first loved us. He stepped out in love first. First. Toward us. He came to us first. We wanted nothing to do with him. He came to us. He came to us. We got time for one or two thoughts, and we've got to close. So, if you don't know, if you can't go home today knowing God loves you, I don't know what else I can say. Okay, you ought to just feel loved up. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.